morning and a welcome to you. Good to see each of you here. Welcome to our visitors. Glad you're here with us today. I trust that each one of us can be blessed by being here. We are indeed a blessed people. Jason read that passage there in Deuteronomy 8, and that is the text that I'm going to be drawing from today. So you can keep your Bibles open there. And I was reminded of this portion of Scripture again when uh, thinking of Thanksgiving and what we just came through and celebrating that day. Because we, we are blessed. And God has blessed us with another good year. Thanksgiving is a time of remembering and reflecting. And this time of the year, our, uh, our society puts a lot of emphasis on preparing for the holidays. We have Thanksgiving. We just came through that. Uh, it's, a, it's a good time of getting together with family, and we are privileged to do this, and we have many material blessings. And I believe our forefathers especially thought of this day in in uh, remembering what the privilege they had of coming to this part of the world and the blessings that they experienced. So we have Thanksgiving, then we have Good Friday, and, and, or, or not Good Friday, Black Friday. And so our society puts so much emphasis, emphasis on these holidays and preparing for them, sometimes I think that we can easily become uh, somewhat discontent with what we have because there's so many options and things out there that we would like to have an experience and uh, kind of wish we could have them. And if we're not careful, it causes some discontentment. I, I like what Harry Ironside says. He says this, we would worry less if we praised more. We would worry less if we praised more. Thanksgiving is the enemy of discontent and dissatisfaction. The title of my message today is The Danger of Being Satisfied. Now, you've all probably had the experience of having a good, tasty meal. You uh, were satisfied with what you had, and you were full and content, and then you sort of just want to have an easy chair or a nice, soft sofa to, to sit down and, and relax, because you're, you're full, you're satisfied, and you sort of want to just be lazy. And here it talks about being full and satisfied. Moses warned the children of Israel about that. He said, beware. And as Jason mentioned, that uh, as I look at this and think about the children of Israel, I can't help but see myself so quickly. We like to look at them and, and think of how did they get to the place that, that they did, and so often forgetting God. But uh, Moses just simply is here telling them to remember, to reflect on their past, where God had brought them to this point. When was the last time that you sat down with your family and just reflected? on your journey together up to this point? When was the last time you dug out old photos and, and looked at them and, and simply reminisced? 
Most of us don't get near enough reflection time. If you're like me, I don't take the time to do that enough. We are so busy with keeping up with the demands of our schedules that we don't slow down enough and reflect and reminisce. We're always looking forward to the next occasion, and we forget to reflect. So to to remember is to reflect. It's an awareness of the past. And here Moses makes it very clear of what they are to do. He is reflecting and reminiscing with them, and he specifically tells them to remember. Forty years, God had been trying to teach them in the wilderness. And I think he was trying to teach them some valuable lessons. They had been on a, on a journey and also on a spiritual journey. Yes, he was trying to move them to another place, but I believe he had them on a spiritual journey also. And hopefully they had learned some valuable lessons. We look at that story and we know that some of them didn't learn the lessons that God was trying to teach them. And I think this journey up to this point was not just about yesterday, but also about their future. Moses was near the end of his life, and his mission was about accomplished. And the children of Israel were preparing to cross over the Jordan River into the Promised Land. And so here we have in Deuteronomy chapter 8, if you read the prior chapters to this, Leading up to this chapter, Moses invites Israel to take some time and reflect on what took place in the last 40 years. Moses is telling them to remember. It says there in verse 2, And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord thy God did, which the Lord thy God led these 40 years in the wilderness. And you can look at that and say, 40 years, Why? what was God trying to do 40 years in taking them through the desert? If you look at how far they needed to travel, we know that it shouldn't have taken them anywhere close to 40 years. But more like a number of weeks or months, probably months with the amount of people, but not 40 years. And yet as I think of my own life, God all gives us a lifespan, and that number can vary for any one of us. Now, I've been here for more than 40 years, but I can't imagine that would be most of my life that I was in the desert. And I hope that I don't live most of my life in the desert. And yet I believe that God does take us on a journey. He does take us on different journeys And he wants to teach us something. But here I want to focus a little bit on this thing of remembering. God gave us their story to teach us something. And Moses was telling them to remember how God led them. The the power to remember is a gift. It's a gift from God. And I realize that there is some things we do not want to remember and would rather forget. But the fact of the matter is that we do remember, and it's a gift from God to remember. 
And then also the power to consider what our experiences mean is also a gift from God. We don't always want to remember some of the difficult experiences that we go through. But God wants us to learn from them. The experiences God takes us through helps us to to relate to others, and especially others that go through similar experiences. And God has a way of shaping us and preparing us for what is ahead. And I believe he did that for the children of Israel. Now, the desert has, has been used by God a number of times in the scriptures. You can read different accounts. This is one of them, the children of Israel being led in the desert. Elijah would be another one. Jesus was also out in the desert. The story of Elijah is a familiar one to us there in 1 Kings chapter 19, where Elijah fled to Horeb. Uh, he went out into the desert. This was immediately following after the, the account of him destroying the prophets of Baal. Kind of a a mountaintop experience that he had. And then when Jezebel found out what had happened and how that he had killed all the prophets, she sent a messenger to Elijah telling him that the way that you destroyed those people, I will destroy you. I'm going to destroy you. And so, of course, Elijah, hearing that message, did probably what what we would do is he fled for his life, for his safety. And God took him out into the desert. And there he was thinking about why he is here. And he even came to the point that he said, it's enough. He said, God, it's enough. Just take my life. The Bible tells us that's what he said. He just simply wanted to die. He was discouraged. And it was more than he could tolerate, and and he simply wanted to die. He had had no desire to live. But this was when God spoke to him and made it very clear to him what he wanted him to do. God met him there. So what is God doing when we are driven into the desert? What is he trying to say to us? When that happens. In verse 2, we have here God, it mentions why God led them through the wilderness. The first thing it says about why he did that, it was to humble them. And we know this, this story of the children of Israel, of how the 12 spies went to the land of Canaan to search the land out. Ten of them came back with, yes, uh, they they liked the place, but they said there's no way that we're going to make it into that land. There's no way that we can go there. Two of them, as we know, Joshua and Caleb, came with a good report. They said, we can do it. We can do this. But the ten men had the way of persuading most of the people. And so... The people got on their side and they grumbled and they complained against Moses and Aaron. And because of that, God brought judgment on their lives. And he said that all those that are 20 years and older could not enter into the promised land. Numbers 14.34 says this. 
After the number of the days in which ye search the land, even forty days, each day for a year, shall ye bear your iniquities, even forty years, and ye shall know my breach of promise. I can't imagine when they heard those words of what God said. He took them out of Egypt, and now he's saying, 40 years you're going to wander around because of what these men, the report that these men brought back. Because Simply because of their doubt and unbelief, they would wander for 40 years. It was to humble them. In verse 3, I'm going to read how it says in the ESV. And he humbled you and let you hunger and fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So he made it. They, they knew Moses was making it very clear why God did what he did. God allowed them to go hungry for some time so that they would appreciate the blessing when he gave it. They also experienced intense thirst. They, they were thirsty out there. They got extremely thirsty a, a number of times. But when he took them into the, into the desert, he provided for them every time he met their need. Not always when and how they thought that he should do it, but he met their need every time. And so he took them out there to humble them. Provision is not the same as comfort. We like comfort. I like comfort. But provision should satisfy. I think that's what God was doing to the children of Israel. Provision is not the same as comfort. But provision should satisfy. God wasn't only concerned about their physical needs, but much more than that, he was concerned about their, their spiritual being. Their physical needs were met day after day for, for 40 years. Six days a week, they could go out there and pick up that manna in the morning. They were supposed to do that six days, not seven days, even though he provided for them seven days a week. They only were to go out there six days a week. And then in the evening, the quail came. God was faithful day after day in supplying their physical need. When Jesus was in the desert, and when Satan came to him tempting him, he, he also... Jesus used this verse. He quoted from here, from verse 3. But by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Jesus quoted that scripture there. And, we were, and I think we would all recognize that Jesus could have easily turned those stones into bread. 
But turning the, the stones into bread was not the thing for Jesus to do at that point. Because that simply would have been a rejection of the word of God. And really, if, if he would have obeyed Satan, he would have been obeying and listening to his word rather than God's word. Jesus was saying that God's word is more sufficient than bread. And so he quoted from this. And here, God was very concerned about their physical needs, but much more so, he was concerned about their spiritual being. John 8.32 says that the truth shall make you free. God's word is the truth. Yes, bread on the table satisfies and it gives nourishment and we need that, but it only satisfies for a while. And what God was saying, I believe what God was telling the children of Israel, that is sufficient for a while, but that's not what you need for life. It is his word that sets you free. It's the truth shall make you see, shall make you free. And so the question for me is how important is God's word? We need physical food to survive, but Moses was reminding the people that God's word is much more important. We, we daily, we, we eat how many meals a day? We eat and uh, we make sure that we're nourished, we get our nourishment. But then also, the thing that Jesus was bringing about, and here we have it in, in verse 3, about not only living on the physical bread, but on the spiritual bread. How important do I make God's word? Do I feast on that? Do you feast on that every day? You don't want to do without food daily, but what about God's word? Do you daily feast on God's word? That is what gives life. The second reason that he led them out of, or led them through the wilderness, was to prove them. It says there in verse 2, and to prove them. And the word prove here means test. God was testing them whether they were going to learn to trust and to obey him. Because leading them through the wilderness was a time of them, was a way of revealing what was in their hearts. I believe God does that for us today yet. God has a way of taking us through things, through the desert, you could say, in our experiences where we discover our independence and our, our dependence and our need for God. It's it's in the hard times that we really discover and face our human limitations. Moses says there in verse 5, Thou shalt also consider in thine heart that as a man chasteneth his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. And the word chasten here has the idea of correction or instruction and discipline that regulates character. Discipline that regulates character. And he brings this example of fathers disciplining their children. As a father, as a man chastens his son, so the Lord thy God chasteneth thee. 
So fathers, why do you discipline your children? It's to give correction, instruction, right? It's very simple. He gives that example, and that's exactly why he did it to the children of Israel. And I believe that's why he does it for us. Life is a training ground for eternity. And I believe God wants us to make, he wants to conform us more like him, the image of his son, that God is preparing us for glory. That is what he was doing for the children of Israel. That's what he does for us today yet. The experiences he brings us through today are preparation for the blessing he has for us tomorrow. The children of Israel experience hunger and provision. Verse 3 tells us that on the one hand, God allowed these people to suffer, and he led them in a, in a wilderness. Think about that. He led them in a, in a wilderness, not some tropical paradise. It wasn't a land filled with milk and honey, even though he had told them he was taking them to such a place. They, they went out in the desert. They couldn't just go and find food and water. It's not like they could easily find those things. Food was hard enough, much, much less water. Water was even harder to find for them. And it's not like they could find some fruit tree to pick their fruit or, or go out and, and kill a deer. But it was, it was work and effort for them to find their food. And so God provided, provided for them. In verse 15, it gives us a description of what it was like Verse 15 says, Who led thee through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, and where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of flint? I believe the same God that parted the Red Sea, he could have easily wiped out those scorpions and serpents, but he chose to take them through that. I don't know what you think of, of snakes and scorpions and, wanting, and living around those kind of creatures. But not a pleasant thing. And yet, what are, the, what are the snakes and scorpions that he brings into our lives today? God takes us through some difficult things to humble us and to prove us. God has some objectives in mind in doing this. God doesn't just remove all the difficulties that we encounter in life, but he allows us to go through them. He allowed the children of Israel to go through some very difficult experiences. And yet I, I believe that those experiences, they were to draw the children of Israel to him and to think about who he was. The trials that we face at times are designed by God. Not only to show what God has in mind or, or what he does, but also to reveal really what is inside of us. God takes us through those things to reveal what is in our own hearts. God wanted to see, God wanted them to see for themselves also what was in their heart. God knew already what was in their heart. 
But he wanted them also to learn what their heart was like. Not always an easy thing for us to observe on our own. But God wants us to recognize how our own heart is and will allow us to go through difficult things so that he can reveal that to us. Any one of us can look fairly good when things are going good and they seem to be, life seems to be easy. But we discover a whole lot more about ourselves when we are going through the difficult things. It's kind of that way of when you see a, a, a tire on display at, at a rack on a store. All those tires can look good and, and uh, look in perfect shape. But it's when those tires are put to the test. When they, when they are put on a truck or some vehicle and they go out on the road and they're going down the road 50, 60 mile an hour, it's when they're put to the test and when they hit an object is when you can really see what that tire is worth. As we often hear that phrase say, it's when the rubber meets the road. That's when it's put to the test. One day there was a lady that decided that she needed a coffee break while she was shopping. And so she bought herself a bag of cookies, and she, she put them in her bag, and uh, then she went to the coffee shop there. She got herself a, co- a coffee and sat down at one of the crowded tables. And as she was sitting there, she was reading, and there was a man across the table from her also, and uh, he was also sitting there reading. And she had... Her coffee, she started sipping her coffee, and then uh, after a bit, the man across the table, he, he takes a cookie, and uh, he eats one of them, and so uh, she was kind of annoyed at that, that uh, he takes a cookie, but uh, so she went on and took a cookie herself, and this happened a few times, and, and as this was happening, she kept getting kind of more and more upset that every time she took a cookie, he took one. What came down to the very last one, there was one cookie there. And so he, he kind of smiled at her. He picked the thing up. He broke it in half and, and uh, sat down and, or set it down. And so uh, he ate the half. And, well, she decides she's going to eat the other half. And so then he gathered up his belongings and went on his way. And she was really, really annoyed by now and trying to think how she's going to tell her family and her friends just the offense that this man did. And how really it just interrupted her day and her coffee time, her time of just being relaxed. Well, she gathered her things and was putting her things into her bag, and she looks into her bag and sees her own unopened bag of cookies. And so as I think of that story, I think about how well God treats us even when I'm not treating others so well. Think about how God treats you, even when you're not treating others so well. God has a purpose, even though we don't always understand. After Moses had told the children of Israel to remember how God led them, he he went on to, to tell them, that in order for them to remember 
to bless, to remember, to, to be thankful and to bless the Lord with what they had. There was going to be all kinds of blessings for them when they go into the promised land. And the other thing that God was so concerned about was, and even Moses, he said, forget not the Lord. Verse 11, beware that thou forget not the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments and his judgments and his statutes, which I command thee this day. In verse 10, he says, when thou hast eaten and art full, that word full there means satisfied. When thou hast eaten and art satisfied, then thou shalt bless the Lord thy God for the good land which he hath given thee. God knew how easily these people would forget. First of all, he told them to remember how God led them. Then once they experienced all these blessings, he says, forget not the Lord thy God. God was aware of that danger, of that happening, of them receiving so many blessings. He knew that they would have the tendency to forget how that they were blessed and where the blessings came from. As humans, we do have that tendency. We, we are a blessed people, and we have an abundance of blessings, both materially and spiritually. As I think of where we just we just coming through Thanksgiving, it's a good reminder for us, even, even though Thanksgiving is something that should be a daily thing, because there is something about being thankful that, that uh, it helps us to remember. Let's not forget where the blessings come from and to express gratefulness to our creator God. Because Moses tells them in verses 18 and 19 of what will happen when they do not remember. Verse 18, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for he it is that giveth thee power to get wealth, that he may establish his covenant, which he sware unto thy fathers, as it is this day. And it shall be, if thou do it all, forget the Lord thy God, and walk after other gods, and serve them and worship them. I testify against you this day that you shall surely perish. So God, giving this warning, God was telling them the danger of pride and self-sufficiency once they experience those blessings. And we, are, we, we live in a place where we have an abundance of things. And so I say that's, that's why I look at myself and I can so easily be like the children of Israel. I forget where it came from. God knows the dangers and pitfalls of success better than we do. And we, be, we can become so wrapped up in our blessings that we become full and satisfied and we forget who God really is. And if you look at history, this has happened to numerous groups over the years where they, get, they become so self-sufficient that they don't really need God or they forget who God is. One example of that would be the Russian Mennonites. You could look, if you look at their history, it is fascinating. The Russian Mennonites moved around numerous times. They fled communism, and uh, then, then they were pushed into other places of the world. But every time... They moved some, somewhere. They were very successful in their, in their business. And whatever they did just flourished. They were very 
good at uh, anything that they do, really. There are some very wealthy people, and over the years that, that affected them, and many of them walked away from or they forgot the Lord their God. Even though many of them today, I believe, are turning back to God, but there is just an example of how easily that can happen to anyone, and we're not exempt from that. Matthew 6, 19 and 21, Jesus said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Material and spiritual blessings are a gift from God. And how we use them reveals What's in our heart? It says so much about us, what we do with the things we have. Jesus went on to say in that same chapter, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the mar, for the mar shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. This implies that God is top priority. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And I believe it, it involves developing good habits and routines. It's learning, studying, meditating, and obeying God's word. And it goes back to recognizing that we need God more than we actually need physical food. Yes, we need to work for those things. But more than that, do I really believe that that is what I need God's word is what I need more than physical food. There is a, the temptation of displacing God with wealth. And we have, we have three resources that we all use. We have time, we have energy, and we have money. And we are responsible to connect the dots. And how we use one resource affects how we use the other one our time and our energy and our wealth. How we use one affects how we use the other one. So how do we get to how do we keep from getting to that place where we forget God? Moses told the people that they were to, they were to bless God, they were to praise him once they were in the promised land. And so it is the same for us today. Blessing and praising is a way of remembering God. It's something that I want to make part of my daily life. Thankfulness is expressing and remembering what someone has done. Psalm 136.1 says, Give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good and his mercy endures forever. 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Thanksgiving is an invitation to remember. All throughout the Old Testament, God wanted his people to remember his goodness and his provision for his people. And the way that he protected them and led them. Because God knew that they would have a tendency to quickly forget who he is. And I, we are just as human as they are. And so I want to encourage us that we would 
remember what God has done. Remembering and sharing stories is faith building. He wanted them, God wanted the children of Israel to remember and to share their experiences from one generation to the next. Because remembering and sharing stories is faith building. And David outlines a, a beautiful theme for stories that are told by his people in, in Psalm 145, 10 through 13. I'm going to read those verses. All thy works shall praise thee, O Lord, and thy saints shall bless thee. They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. If we want to remember what God has done for us, we need to share it with others. We need to talk about it. And we need to make it known. Think about how your children remember things. Things that when they were young. I remember growing up, I, we didn't have pictures of our childhood. And so I can't go back and look at pictures when I was two or three and, and remember some occasions. But even though I don't see those pictures the stories that my parents shared, that's what I remember. Today we have pictures to go back and so we can, it helps us remember things a lot more. But still, the children of Israel, they didn't have pictures of them going through the wilderness. So God wanted them to share it from one generation to the next so they would not forget. We need to share it with others and talk about it. God wants us to celebrate his love and to make it known. And so I want to encourage you, as you go through this life, as you go through the wilderness or wherever you're at in life, remember that he does it to keep you humble and to prove you and to test you, to see who you really are and to reveal what's in your heart. And so together, no matter what we face in life, let's not forget the Lord our God and how he has provided for us so abundantly and graciously. And he will keep leading us. Let's praise God for that. Kneel with me for prayer.